Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by a friend of mine, an expert consultant and the founder at Creative Agency Success, a firm dedicated to helping creative agencies scale, and the best-selling author of two incredible books, firstly, The Agency Blueprint and The Practical Agency, both of which are available on Amazon, so I encourage all of you to go check that out. With all of that, Robert Patton, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me back, Marcel. I am always excited to talk to you. I feel like every time we talk, we just have great conversations. We go deep, we go into the nuance, and I think today will be no different. But before we get into all of that good stuff, in your own words, what do you do and who do you serve? I work with uh, creative agencies, and largely my focus is how to help them create more time within their lives so that they can both have enjoyment out of their business life as well as their personal life, how to increase profits so that they can ultimately scale, and how to have greater impact with what they do in the business so that they have a... uh, really great amount of meaning out of the time that they spend in their work life. Amazing. And you have um, a background. I think part of the reason that we get along so well is because you come from more of an operations and finance background, having worked in the agency industry and then transitioned into consulting, coaching, and working with lots of firms. And of course, have expanded your knowledge and experience across all kinds of different facets of running a firm. But you know, where I think we get to nerd out a lot is in that foundation that is in the deep weeds of what it actually means when you look at the the economics of a firm. And I, I really appreciate that about you. We're not, when we get into things like some of the stuff we're going to talk about today, which is client lifetime value, this is not coming from a place of the surface area understanding that is uh, thought of in the context of how this actually works all the way down to the P&L and the balance sheet. So excited to dig in, but I just want to acknowledge that I really appreciate and admire the wealth of knowledge and experience that you bring to this space. Thank thank you so much. Yeah, I'm a total type A person and everything to me kind of breaks down to a number in some way or another, right? I foundational to who I am. I like to make my decisions based on numbers because then I know that the direction I'm headed is largely the right one to go down and it gives me comfort in the decisions I'm making. So yeah, that's something I really enjoy and something that I enjoy talking with you about and getting to nerd out a bit. Hence the title, The Practical Agency. I love that that's what your last book was called. <laughs> and I'm, I'm hoping that it brings the right people into your world that appreciate that practical approach that you take. Speaking of numbers, we're going to talk about a very important number today, which is lifetime value or client lifetime value and how that impacts an agency, how to think about that number and some of the tension that kind of exists around trying to optimize that while not coming at the, you know, too much of an expense of other areas in the business. So with all of that, let's start with what is client lifetime value and why should we be focused on it? Yeah, I mean, client lifetime value is ultimately the revenue and gross profit that the the client and agency relationship has, right? So the over the time, the years, ideally multiple years that you work with a client, what is the amount of revenue and gross profit that you're able to bring into your agency uh, over that time that you work with the client? Right. And so um, I think, 
conventional knowledge would say we are incentivized to increase the lifetime value of a client, especially considering that it's really expensive to get clients, especially today. Mm -hmm. um, so how do we actually do that? What are the key levers that we need to focus on in order to maximize that value so we can have it impact the business in a positive way? So I'm going to take a step back a little bit. And here's where I think a lot of agencies kind of get stuck. Um, is especially when you talk about the ads that are being put in front of people, the books that people are reading, um, you're not just another funnel away from being able to have the success that you're looking for, right? Like that is not the, that shouldn't be your goal. Um, what I often see is that lots of agencies can have lots of reputational damage, can not be producing the results for clients. They're adding new clients, but losing them out of the back door as, as quickly as they're bringing them in and has a, such a significant impact to the net profit line. And so what I want to actually look at and talk about a bit today is more around the the actual client experience what are the outcomes that you're able to generate for the client how are you able to go deeper with the client relationship that you have have more impactful results with them and ultimately actually looking a bit more inward and mm -hmm. refining ourselves expanding our knowledge expanding our expertise so that we can service our clients better have greater impact and actually have a greater amount of energy because I mean, I know in my own experience that the more impact I can see that I have on someone's life, um, the more happy and energy that I, ha I have in my business and the more energy that I have, the quicker and faster I can grow. Yeah. It, you raise a really important point, which is that we tend to be really, really focused on getting clients. We don't spend quite as much time on keeping them. And when we run the models on this, we do this a lot in software, of course, because churn is like a really hot uh, topic, mm -hmm. it's really easy to see how that number, if it's not addressed, will literally cap your growth. We, we call it the, the growth ceiling or the churn ceiling. There's a certain level at which the number of clients you lose every month will be equal to the number of clients that you gain every month. And therefore, your business cannot grow past that point unless one of those uh, inputs changes. And more often than not, the one that is the lowest hanging fruit that has the highest impact is focusing on client churn or retention, or revenue retention, or whatever you want to call it. So uh, I'm glad that you stopped us and pulled us back. That was an astute observation, Robert. So let, let's talk about that. What are the reasons that it sounds like what, what we're getting at here is why isn't that value very positive? Why aren't we retaining clients? And what are the things that we should be looking inward to try and uncover as it relates to client experience and retention? So I think that there's a, a couple primary levers that go into it really. But the first one is from the very first point that you actually build a relationship with a client. The vast majority of agencies that I come across are more a pair of hands than actually working as an advisor with the client. And the principle that I see happen quite a lot is that they will, the belief system is that in order for me to meet with a client more to have more impact with them, they've got to pay me more. And they're guiding more of the strategy. There was um, late last year, there was an article that was published in Adweek talking about how some 60% of brands were going to fire their agencies. And the predominant reason why the brands were going to do so is because the brand felt like they were the one guiding the strategy and that the agency was mm -hmm. just doing the busy work for them. And so one of the first things that I suggest with clients is adjusting their meeting framework. There's so many boring meetings that could have just been an email. And how do you actually provide value in the conversations you're having with the client? How can you be more strategic with them? How can you guide them to have greater impact with what they're doing? And also, how do you own what wasn't working? 
I guarantee every single listener right now, myself included, have had situations and scenarios where things didn't go to plan. In fact, a lot of plans don't go exactly to the way that you wanted them to. And acknowledging that with a client helps you cement a better relationship, helps you form greater trust, helps them lean on you more when they need you. Yeah, it's so interesting because I'm, as you're saying this, I'm, I'm reflecting on my experience both as a vendor and as a client of vendors. And you're so right in that the level of value that I get from a vendor that really takes ownership and is, is directing the conversation and that I'm trusting them to be the expert in this area of the business is so much higher. And not only am I more likely to keep them around because of that strategic value, I'm also willing to pay them more. So um, makes a lot of sense. 100%. It's also like the, the mindset too, if you think about it in like a personal relationship component of it too. And I think we do tend to forget, especially in any service-based business, but agencies specifically of the person that we're working with as well. Uh, how can you cement that relationship? I know that my closest friends and colleagues in life, I'm not going to be changing them out very quickly, right? There's someone that I expect to know for the rest of my life. And if you're able to be that confidant, that person that if they've had something really exciting or something that was upsetting to them in their business, and you're one of the people that they call immediately to talk through that challenge, if you are not in that place with them, you haven't built enough of a meaningful relationship with them that allows for them to lean on you and you need to work on that. So the the first core tenant sounds like it has to do with the nature of that relationship, trying to be more strategic, more of a trusted advisor that is guiding the client to an outcome as opposed to being in that position of doing busy work and being essentially more in a commoditized position of delivering things, but the client is still directing the engagement. What else do you see really undermine um, an agency's ability to deliver lasting results for clients and increase that LTV? I see one of the, one of the things that I see happen quite frequently, especially when it comes to increasing lifetime value that I want to add as like an asterisk here that I want to be careful with is don't just be adding services for the sake of adding them. Um, there's such an operational uh, drag to the business that happens when you do that. It takes a long time to become an expert in a specific area um, and to try to do something that you don't know how to do and try to operationalize that and get it to a point that um, you can do it reasonably well and not just kind of blah or okay. And that's likely how the service is actually coming across. If you're doing something that you're not an expert in, it's just mm. kind of okay, which doesn't cement the relationship. It actually makes it worse. But, but the the thing that is incredibly important is making sure that the way that you're training your account managers, account reps, project managers to have a framework by which that they are focused on where the client is today, the types of questions that they should be digging into, how they understand the client goals and the lens by which they should be looking at every single conversation with the client. And if you, so in most client conversations, most meetings, they'll share some component of a component to what's going on in their day to day. And more often than not, when I'm looking back at client calls, I will see them just kind of gloss over those conversations, those questions, those issues, and not actually understand how that's affecting the business, how that's affecting them, how that's affecting their energy, how that's affecting the results for the business. And there's so many instances where the agency could have actually helped in that particular scenario with what it is that they already do, a slight augmentation that they could have been making. 
for example, just got off of a call with uh, an agency yesterday and one of their large clients gave notice to them because they were too successful. So they had taken their cost per lead acquisition in ads management from $110 to 18 bucks, and they were drowning in leads. They were unable to fulfill the orders. They were not able to expand fast enough and were not able to manage it. And there's a number of things that this agency does that could have helped them had they known that this was happening, turning mm -hmm. down the volume of leads, refining the quality of them, helping them figure out exactly how they can get through that lead volume to a sale faster, better, easier, rather than having lost a $20,000 a month client. Yeah, it's such an it's such a good point. Um, and I want to dig deeper into this conversation of how to expand the revenue that a client is paying without creating too much operational drag. And so obviously the starting point here is really making sure that we're being perceptive to client needs, to client challenges, and also client direction and aspirations, where are they headed in the business? What are their kind of objectives? And having a trained ear to stop and double click on those things and deeply understand them. And then there's the question of, yeah, how do we navigate this opportunity of saying, okay, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we could do here. What is in the box of what we should be doing as a company or where we should be trying to stretch our capabilities versus other ways that we can help them get those needs addressed that don't necessarily mean we're creating extra work or extra processes or things that we're not good at in the business. How do you think through that um, conversation about drawing lines around those parameters? So um, I'm going to talk about into initial response to that, I'm going to talk about my initial kind of ideation framework, right? Like most times we have what you just described as option A and option B, right? And my idea behind it really is, well, what's option C? I want to do something counter to what everyone else is already doing. What is option C for me? And so here's a couple of examples, right? Um, I've got a web design uh, agency that one of the things that they that they made an augmentation to to extend their lifetime value is that they were selling at a twelve thousand dollar per website kind of price point. Um, more brochure oriented uh, websites, their cost for it was in the three to four thousand dollars to produce the website in external contractors. And what they ended up doing was lowering the initial price point for them. So knowing that over the course of the first four to five months that there wasn't really profit for them, but took that $12,000 project, broke it down to $1,750 a month in uh, an engagement for MRR. They completed the exact same type of website. What the ongoing relationship with them was more understanding the metrics behind the site, giving them slight augmentations that could happen to it. So it took them th three to four months to produce it. So they were largely around a break-even, nominal amount of profit. But the website that they had previously charged $12,000 for, they now have an average timeline that that client is working with them three years at $1,750 a month, dramatically increasing that lifetime value, also having a resource for them to have their website consistently updated, making slight augmentations, being able to improve the conversion rates on those sites and have more impact to their client rather than just offering more services. It's the exact same service that they're currently doing with just a slight augmentation to it. Or in an example of a branding agency, and it doesn't always have to be MRR, there's other examples too, but a branding agency going from developing a brand book, a brand identity, brand messaging, and let's face it, the vast majority of brands that have a new brand being launched, they have the best of intentions, 
put it on their website fairly well, maybe even do good business cards to begin with. And then the brand just gets degraded over time because they don't have the resources internally to effectively actually maintain that brand. And having someone as a steward of the brand that oversees the outputs, the assets that are being created on an ongoing basis to further refine the brand and the way that it's implemented across every single channel and every single customer touchpoint that allows for it to be consultative and also to uncover additional things that that agency could potentially be doing and turning that relationship into MR. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. So here's what I love about those two examples that you just shared is that my experience, and I'm sure you've seen this as well, is that there are a lot of efforts to increase customer lifetime value or introduce recurring fees into agencies that are contrived and self-serving in the sense that they're only being done in an effort to try to increase LTV, try to increase you know the amount of money that they get paid or add recurring revenue, but they are either failing or they're not you know getting as much uptake as they want or it feels like there's friction because that's not coming from a place that's rooted in solving a customer problem and adapting the way that that relationship and billing model works to better facilitate solving that problem and these two examples are examples of an agency that recognized in one case, hey, after we deliver this website to clients, they still need ongoing support. But the way that our contract is currently set up, there's friction there for us to provide it to them. And it's more difficult for us to do that. And so in adapting their contract model, they were able to make it easier to solve that problem. And the same thing sounds like it was true about the other example. And that to me is the big takeaway is it starts with what you first mentioned, which is really understanding the customer problems and then thinking through how to actually better support that client in a way that also happens to benefit the agency in terms of lifetime profit. Um, that's really insightful to me. I, I definitely prescribe to the concept that we should be offering the work that we do that is ultimately going to benefit the client. I absolutely would not recommend having it be con contrived or kind of under the table. Like it should actually provide a benefit. I don't, I mean, personally in, if you're listening and you have a counter opinion, that's fine. Um, but I don't want to just make money for the sake of making money. I want to know that the things that I'm doing are having impact on other people's lives. And then hopefully the fact that you are in a, the creative space and an agency owner, it's something that you are attached to as well and believe fundamentally as well. Yeah. And I think ultimately, at least what I've seen is that while a somewhat forced effort to get somebody into an ongoing retainer, might work in the short term if it's not delivering real value it's just not going to result in long-term retention and and you'll end up kind of back in the same place with churn and and the rest 100 percent. so here's um and there's a duality to this piece of it um that i think is incredibly important where we started the conversation in the client meeting framework um it's important to make sure that you're meeting with the clients on a fairly regular basis so that you actually understand where they are how where the goals that they have have changed 
the issues, the challenges that they're facing have changed as well. And how can you actually support that? So there's a meeting that I would suggest that you have um, quarterly if you're on an MRR relationship or at the end of a project with every single client. And so you can utilize this to upsell uh, to a project-oriented relationship or utilize it to maintain the relationship with an MRR. And so at the end of a project or on a quarterly basis with any retainer-oriented clients, you should be meeting with them to understand here's the objective of initially the goals that we set out for this campaign or for this project or for this initiative. Where are we in progress to that? Have your goals changed? How is that impacted coming up and then coming to that meeting prepped with some strategic ideas of what you can be doing to make augmentations to either that project, additional projects, or to the way that you're currently interfacing with that client to increase the impact and the outcome to that client. Hmm. Agencies that do this really well are able to sell on a project-oriented basis 70 to 80% of their projects that are coming to a wrap into the next project with one massive kind of asterisk. The thing that you want to be careful with is don't turn this into a pitch session. You need to make sure that this is coming from a point of strategy. My general rule that I suggest to clients is have it 70% things that your agency can do that are core to your zone of genius and 30% of things that you can't that are, hey, this is something that you should be looking at externally. And here's a partner that we know that can help you with that particular challenge, but actually help them solve the business challenges that they're facing that you know how to solve. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really, I think, important insight. Um, and it ties back to what you kind of mentioned earlier, which is having that strategic position in the relationship. It's an opportunity to show that and then tie it into um, you know, other things that you can do. And I love that you mentioned here offering things that are not core to your business that you can refer out to, but that are in the genuine best interest of that client as it relates to their goals and objectives or challenges. I think that that's a really key point. It creates goodwill. And it also, again, allows you to avoid taking stuff on that you really you have no business doing as an organization that's going to create all that operational drag. I found in time and time again, and continue to be reminded from time to time, um, that the things that we say no to often have more impact than the things that we say yes to. And mm -hmm. it's important to know to stay in your lane, you know, um, just know yeah. what it is you're, what you're great at and what you're not. And you don't have to be everything to every person. In fact, it's an impossibility to do that. And you're setting yourself up for failure and them up for a set as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because the more I've um, embodied that myself, the more I've started to see somebody that's not willing to tell me, you know what, that's not really in my wheelhouse as a red flag. And, you know, because what it means is when at least in my experience, when somebody's willing to tell you, no, I don't do that. When they say, I'm really good at this thing, I, I trust them more <laughs> because they're willing to tell me what they weren't actually good at. And so that that assertion of, yeah, this is our area of expertise really does carry more weight as a result. Yeah, 100%. Now, there's one last thing that I want to dig into because this is, after all, the Agency Profit Podcast. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't take a moment to stop and talk about the tension between lifetime value and lifetime gross profit. And of course, conventional wisdom, we would think that those two things are the same, but you and I both know that quality of revenue and quantity of revenue are not synonymous <laughs> with one another. And you shared an example earlier in which uh, an agency probably initially at least took some amount of risk in changing their pricing model into one that was monthly recurring, which resulted in probably less cash flow and less profit, as you mentioned on the early uh, scale. But over time, resulted in much greater profit. So um, share, if you would, your thoughts on 
that tension and what needs to be true in order for this to have the right outcome in the end, as opposed to just inflating lifetime value, but actually having that come at the cost of the bottom line? Well, I mean, largely, I would want to be staying within the parameters of where you should be from a gross profitability perspective, right at the bare minimum at being at that 50% gross profitability at the minimum line. Mm-hmm. Um, in the example that I was giving earlier is how do you, as you get more consultative and, and advisory with clients and, and even potentially less ex- executional um, and less of a pair of hands, the commoditized component to what agency life is, you tend to have a greater amount of gross profitability. Mm-hmm. But largely, I mean, there's multiple different models. And the example that I just gave um, earlier with the website agency, exactly what you were describing, the profit margins were lower to begin with. But as the later part of the engagement continued, the profit margins were dramatically higher in the 85% gross profitability and continual. So the first couple of months, not ideal in that they were in the 35%, which is breaking the rule that I just said a minute ago. But um, as it scaled, it they maintained that, that average uh, at a higher rate than that 50%. But it allowed for them to be incredibly profitable from a gross profitability perspective and then to the net profit line as well. That is not the general kind of scenario that you'll find. My recommendation is just making sure that as you get into a relationship with the client, that you have a good foundation in what your pricing model is to begin with. And you need to be basing it on factual data, either time data, historical data, percentage of a person to understand what it actually looks like from a gross profitability perspective. But yeah, I mean, there's so often, and I think it's a really sad thing as I see a lot of agencies scale is that they the revenue will grow, but their profit will shrink or stay exactly the same. So all they're doing is adding loads more risk to the business, hiring more people, more contractors, loads more revenue, more clients. So it's just more risk for no more money. And why? I just yeah. don't see why. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad we took a moment to talk about this because I want to come back to that example because it's such a good example that has some nuance to it right? Of we used to sell a website for 12 grand. Now we sell it for this monthly fee that ends up over a three-year time horizon being significantly more and significantly higher profit. And in that situation, you kind of have these three independent components. You have the price, you have the scope, and then you have the cash flow, which probably actually wasn't that different or was maybe even better when they switched the monthly model, assuming that they were getting some deposit up front. They weren't getting most of their money until the timeline was done, which sounds like it might have been a few months to get that $12,000 website project done. And so like, it's important for everyone listening, as you think about these things, to Robert's point, think about those three variables, because they're independent of one another, and then reconcile them against each other to make sure that the math is mathing. And... <laughs> It might make a lot of sense, right, in the short term to say, yeah, okay, we're, we're not going to have the gross margin that we want in the first three months, but look at what this looks like over a longer time horizon, and we know that we can retain clients that long. Or, you know what, we have a thesis that we can retain clients that long. Let's run an experiment and see if our thesis is correct. And if it is, we'll, you know, we'll have won. And if, we, if it's not, then we'll have learned a lesson, and hopefully it, it won't have come at the, the expense of the business's success long term interesting uh, component to the initial launch of that offer that we were talking about and have been talking about is that they had a test and I suggested they test this to see what impact that this actually had on conversion of new clients coming in as well is that Mm -hmm. they did have an initial deposit uh, so that they could maintain that initial gross profitability and profitability at the start of the project. Um, But their conversion rate was cut by more than half 
when they did it that way. So they were able to break up and look at cash flow of that project of what does it cost per month with the contractors? Here's the length of time that it's going to take for me to deliver the site. And they're going to continue to pay that monthly rate every single month until the website goes live, still allowing for the cash flow to be there. So they're not spending more money than they're bringing in. So it still cash flows appropriately, um, but allowing for them to also bring more people in. So there's, there's levers that you can pull there that allow for you to bring more clients in, have longer lifetime value, be more profitable, and have more impact. Amazing. I'm so glad we... I knew we were going to get into the weeds, but we covered everything. We, st- we started up here with this strategic conversation about the relationship with the client, and then we slowly just went down into these very nerdy details. And this is what I love about talking to you, Robert, is we can do it all, you and me. <laughs> we can accomplish, we can save the world. Uh, one thing I did want to just kind of mention for those of you that are wanting to explore this topic for yourself, um, do me a favor and measure what your turn is right now. What are the What is the average lifetime value that you currently have of a client? What is um, the turn rate that you currently have? And what what is the actual gap that you have if you were to maintain the relationship for, for longer? If you were to turn, even if let's say you're a branding agency and you have an average uh, project value of $30,000. If you were to sell them into another five or $10,000 project and the number of clients that you have throughout the year, if you were to start at a 15% of them turning into client, what is the actual gap? What is the impact that you're going to have to your business by doing that? And is it a worthwhile um, endeavor for you to be able to increase your profit? I would bet that it will be, but something for you to measure and understand what the true opportunity is for you. I think that's a great call to action. And so, yeah, maybe I'll go and sit down and do that too. And I'll send you an email, Robert, and tell you what it looks like. <laughs> so for everyone that's listening uh, that wants to get more of you in their life, Robert, where should we send them in the show notes? I've got um, a, a landing page that I put together that has a couple of offers, the practical agency of actually offering a, a free copy for everybody, as well as the agency analyzer. So you can go through your profitability right now, understand how those um, each project is actually having an impact to your net profit line. And it is at creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash agency profit podcast. Amazing. Look at that. Our own link. Uh, That will be in the show notes. So access to a free copy of Robert's book and the agency analyzer. We'll leave that in the show notes along with uh, Robert's LinkedIn and other things that he's done that I think you should check out, including his podcast. Uh, So all of that, just scroll down. It'll all be right there. With that, any final words of advice, Robert, for our listeners today? I would say that um, where we end up kind of being um, just generally to the vast majority of agencies, the energy, the component, the numbers, the data is just an incredibly powerful tool. I know that you can have the scale, the profit, the time that you want. It is absolutely possible. I see it every single day. Agencies going from a true place of struggle to having absolute freedom. It's absolutely possible uh, for you and for everyone listening. Very sage words. So with that, uh, Robert, thank you for being here with us today. And for everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode and let us know what you got from today. Send us an email, leave us a comment. We always love hearing from you. Uh, We'll see you on the next. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, 
go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeta.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener and we will see you on the next episode.
episode.